Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm Elizabeth, a marathoner, running coach, and answer seeker. When I became a new runner at the age of 29, I had so many questions, but it felt like I was on my own to figure out all of the answers. So now I'm here to answer all your running questions to help make you a better, smarter, faster runner. There's no question too simple and no topic too complex. So let's get started. My guest this week is Amy Haas, aka Race Across the States, who returns to the podcast after joining us for the first time this summer. She was on her way to running her first marathon this fall. She did, and we talk about that a little bit, but we are talking today about staying motivated during the winter months. Staying motivated when it's cold, when it's dark, when the weather sucks. How do you keep getting out the door? And I thought this was a really wonderful topic to end the year of 2021 on in podcast episodes. I am so excited with how this year has gone. And I think this is a really wonderful conversation to cap off a wonderful year of conversations. Amy, welcome back to the show. I'm excited to see you again. Yeah, thank you for having me back. I'm excited to be here. So give us a quick update on your life. When we last spoke, you were in the process of training for your very first marathon. You have since run your very first marathon. How did it go? It went better than I expected. Um, I was very nervous going into it. I was even texting people the morning of the race asking for fuel advice as if I should do something new on race morning. But um It went great. I actually, I qualified for Boston, so I will be going there in April to do my second marathon. Exciting. Of all the things that you learned running, I think you said it was 45 half marathons. (laughs) And then your first marathon, what are your biggest takeaways of the difference in the distances? Because a lot of people want to know what's the difference between running a half and a full marathon when it comes down to the training and the experience of it? Oh, there are so many differences. And I think like during the training, the biggest takeaway I had was how I dispersed my mileage. Uh, I'm somebody who training for half marathons, I don't really have to get past a certain distance very often on my training runs. But I found when the, when I increased the distance of my long runs, having to adjust those other days was so important. I couldn't keep doing what I was doing and expect my long runs to be good. Uh-huh. So really having to like scale back on those other days and incorporate strength and all of that. But race day takeaways, the biggest one would be fueling. Uh, That's, I think, the biggest difference for a marathon between everything else and fueling early, like fueling days ahead of time. Um, I felt great throughout my whole marathon. Thank goodness. Like there's, I know that there are horror stories about marathons. So I was really nervous about that, but fueling early helped a lot, a lot. Yeah. Fuel early, fuel often. You can train all you want. If you don't have the fuel to get you all Mm -hmm. the way through the race, it's like, why why even bother running? It's just going to be a disaster. Fuel is your friend. Yes, for sure. I I was, I thought I was overfueling at a certain point because I was just so bloated and uncomfortable. And I was like, I think this is how I'm supposed to feel though. Yeah, well, you're supposed to take in that much fuel. I mean, for most people, it's, you know, a gel every roughly 30 minutes, depending mm-hmm. on how long they're out there for. Yeah, That's a lot of fuel. It was great. I learned a lot. I, I feel like it was a good experience for me to push myself in a way that I haven't thus far in my running journey. So yeah. And you are still on your mission to run a half marathon in all 50 states. How many oh, states yeah. do you have left? Yeah, I took a minor detour there for the marathon. Now I'm back. Uh, now you can run a marathon in all 50 states. How's that? Oh my goodness. Can you imagine the training for that and all of the rest? Oh goodness. I don't know that I would be cut out for that. But I have eight half marathons left. So eight states. Closing left. in. That's I know. so exciting. It's exciting, but also scary. <laughs> So today we're talking about how to stay motivated over the winter or your dark season, wherever I know our Northern Hemisphere-ers are going through this right now. For our Southern Hemisphere runners, it's something that they experience the opposite season to us. How do you stay motivated, get out the door when it's cold, when it's dark, when you're tired, when the weather sucks? We're going to be going through all of that today because I know, Amy, in what you do with Run With Aim and the runners that I work with, this is a very common refrain that we start to hear right around October, November, and people start to think, 
I am having trouble getting out the door. Um, so you crowdsource some questions and I also have some common questions that I get. So the very first topic we'll discuss and we'll discuss kind of the major things, the major themes that we hear. Something that I hear a lot, especially in late fall and early winter, is that somebody who says, I just ran a fall race and now I'm having trouble staying motivated after my fall race to keep running because I don't have a goal to work toward anymore Mm -hmm. or because I don't have specific training to follow. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you hear this too. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, there are so many thoughts. And I mean, my first thought is just, of course, like, of course you are. Um, It's not normal or natural for your motivation to be high all the time. And when you put that much energy and that much effort and that much care into something, you're going to have a bit of a plummet. Your motivation was at an all time high for that. And now you're wondering why it's a little bit lower. (laughs) Well, of course, like you're going to have a bit of a dip there. And kind of just learning what to do when you're in that dip, I think is key. Yeah. Especially if it was a, you know, a longer distance race or even a shorter distance race when you've been training for, for several months. I know for a lot of people who were training pre COVID and then all the races shut down. I mean, there are people who have in some way or another been training for the fall race. They just ran since the spring of 2020 and all of that mental energy and all the expectation has been carried through until this point. And it is normal to feel like, you know what? I don't know what I feel like running today. Well, and you mix that is normal. You mix that with the change in the weather and the holidays and changes to schedules. And you do get a bit of a perfect storm of a lack of motivation. (laughs) It gets harder to run and that mixed with not feeling it, like it's going to be less likely to probably happen. So for somebody in this situation who is having trouble staying motivated after their big race, I mean, I know some of the suggestions we're talking about as we go throughout this episode apply more to some people than to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, if having a goal motivates you to get out the door, I, my suggestion would be to find a new goal. It doesn't have to be a race goal. It can just be a different goal. Not that you have to jump right back into super hard training, taking an off season or a down period is completely normal and actually a, a big part of training properly, but just set a goal that can help keep you motivated to some degree. So you don't completely stop running. Mm-hmm. And even if that's a long-term goal, like if your long-term goal is to simply improve at running or to continue improving, then you know that in order to keep going towards that, you do need to find something in the winter that is going to realistically motivate you. Um, And it's, it's okay to do some serious soul searching on that. It might be just joining a group. It might be setting a new race. It might be signing up for something, hiring a coach. Um, All those things I think are helpful if your long-term goal is continual improvement. I like that point about working towards something because when you're working towards a race, it's really obvious what each run is supposed to be for, right? Like, oh, our long runs mm-hmm. will help me run long on race day. Our My speed work helps me run fast on race day. My recovery runs help me recover from the work I'm doing. Like all of the runs that seem to have a really specific purpose and it's obvious what they do. But after your race, you're kind of left floundering and saying, I don't understand the purpose of this run. Why bother? Totally. And I think that's one reason running the States has helped me so much because even after each race is over, there's still a larger picture in my head of something I'm trying to accomplish that isn't related to that one individual race. I mean, it is a part of it. That's the part of the bigger, the bigger goal, but it isn't stopped by that race. Um, So even if your goal is like a certain number of races in a year or a certain, you know, mileage, something like that, like, these things can help you longer term than just that one race. A very uh, common mileage goal a a lot of runners pursue is something called running the year where you, and this is not appropriate for every runner to run this type of volume, but you can set your own specific mileage goal, whether that's running the year in miles. miles. So for 2021, that would be running 2021 miles in the year for some runners. Maybe it's hitting 500 miles or a thousand miles, or if you're, 
that kind of runner, maybe it's 3000 miles, you know, but having that goal that keeps you motivated throughout the year and be like, Hey, you know what, even though I'm not training for a race right now, I'm going to still get out the door because I'm working towards my larger goal of mileage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Having those longer term goals, I think is so helpful. But I will also note as we record this episode at the very end of the year, please don't cram in your mileage at the oh, very man. end. If you are, uh, if you have done the calculations and you're thinking, well, I could meet my mileage goal, but it would require tripling what I usually run in the last two weeks of the year. Oh my God, please don't. You are well, going to well, hurt yourself. Stay home. Yeah. Try again next year. It's okay. Yes. New Year's goals are right around the corner. Just hold tight. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So this next question, I'm, I'm really glad you brought this to the table because this seems like a question that we people don't talk about enough because it involves injuries. And when in, runners get injured, they tend to turn inwards and turn away from the community. Yes. And this question or this, this um, theme was, my, for me, my fall races tend to lead to overuse injuries, which require patience and PT and limited running. Usually I'd use running to help myself with the changing of the seasons, but right now I just need to rest. What should I do to stay motivated? Yeah, that is a tough one because, yeah, like you mentioned, I think when runners get injured, they have a tendency to turn inward um, and to kind of forget that it's okay to have non-running related goals. Uh I think this often happens as a result of putting too much focus onto your running and giving it maybe more importance in your life than it really should have. Um, and of course, injuries are so disappointing and they're frustrating and it sucks because there's not much you can do about it except for to wait. But this is really where you have to start thinking about the bigger picture um, and you have to start thinking about your your wellness overall and what's going to help you to show up strong when the time comes that you can run again. From when I, when I first read this, my immediate coaching reaction was why is this person getting injured every year? And I think it, like you said, I think this is really common. I think that, well, statistically we know most runners experience at least one running related injury per year, whether it's very minor all the way up to very major injuries, but if a person is experiencing a recurring pattern of injuries, I would, I would urge them to reevaluate the type of training that they're doing and what their goals are. And I'm very glad they're working with a physical therapist, but for me, like your, your race specific training should not always result in overuse injuries. If you are always getting injured because during a race specific training cycle, something's wrong here. Like mm -hmm. the training is not matching up whatever it is. And maybe it's a small tweak, maybe it's a big tweak, but that's not how your training is supposed to end up. Mm -hmm. Getting to race day healthy is a huge accomplishment, but like the alternative of assuming that you're going to get injured like that from a coaching perspective, like that's not acceptable for me. Like we got to keep you healthy. Yeah. And I think this often happens to runners when they do that big fall race or any race at any time in the year and then they don't take that time to rest after and like truly take advantage of that time and then instead they continue to train um to keep their motivation high and to keep going and to capitalize on their progress and then what happens is you you just burn out like you are not going to capitalize on progress you are going to go the opposite way and be sidelined for a long time that's a big one. People, you know, either you, you ran a great race and you want to keep the fire burning and say, I'm in such great shape. Let's keep this going. Or maybe you had a really terrible race and you want a redemption, a redemption arc. So you keep training super hard. And, you know, Des Linden is full of great quotes, but she has a really great one that I I'm coming back to over and over again in this off season, as I ramp up to starting my marathon training cycle for next year is that, um, getting in shape sucks. Being in shape is awesome. And if Des Linden, who's one of the most accomplished female marathoners in America, has described periods of, hey, that what she said implies that she goes through periods of detraining, which means that she has to get back into shape, which yes, sucks. Being in shape is awesome. Getting into shape sucks. That proves that 
are, you know, I'm not saying we should copy what pro runners are doing, except sometimes what they're doing is the right thing, including taking time off after their races. Yeah. Going through some detraining that is a necessary part of the larger process. And I think that like correlates perfectly to, to the like idea of motivation, because just like your body needs those rest times, so does your motivation. Like you can't expect it to be high all the time because there would be no highs all the time. If you were always at that same level, there would be no in shape, out of shape. There would be no ups and downs. Like you wouldn't feel that same sense of excitement for your race. If you were excited like that all the time. Um, so expecting that there are going to be those ebbs and flows with motivation, whether it's, you know, season bound or otherwise. So going back to the, a person who's experiencing a lot of injuries and they're struggling with motivation, like, I don't blame you. That sucks. You know, mm -hmm. being injured, not being able to do the thing you love to do, even when you want to do it, that is a, a really crappy place to be in. And I think we're going to touch on this a couple times throughout this episode, but like finding alternative goals, mm -hmm. maybe you go after some strength goals. Maybe it's about bench pressing a certain weight or squatting a certain rate or weight or, um, a, another sort of physical ability goal. Maybe it's becoming really good at an alternative aerobic activity during the rehab period, like set some different goals to help motivate you during this process so that you're staying active and staying, you know, physically happy, not just mentally mm -hmm. happy. Yeah. I, I remember when I, I had a overuse injury, this was one of the, one of the main injuries I've ever had was, uh, like four or five years ago. And I was definitely overtraining. And it was after a race that I didn't do as well as I wanted to. And I wanted to, you know, train harder, run faster. So I kept going after and I ended up getting an Achilles injury. And I remember being so frustrated at first because I couldn't do anything, but then I switched my focus to like, I lived in a cul-de-sac and I switched my focus to how many times I could walk around the cul-de-sac, like each morning before work, like within like a 20 minute time frame or whatever. And I remember like that being my one thing that was like, okay, like this is going to be my thing for the next month and a half while I recover, like is just kind of getting as many laps around this as I can, um, just to keep myself going. Yeah. Yeah. Find what works and maybe, and maybe shocker of shockers, maybe it's a non-physical uh, goal too. Maybe it's like reading books with all the time that you have now that you're not running so many hours a week or the things that you have been neglecting. Maybe it's taking up a new hobby or spending time calling friends or texting them or Snapchatting them or whatever it is. But, you know, finding other things that fulfill you, mm -hmm. understanding that running will be there. It's never, it's not going to go away. Hopefully mm -hmm. your injury is not that serious, but like take this, don't look at this time as something that is keeping you down. It mm -hmm. should be a time where you're wondering, all right, you're taking a breath, you're put, picking your head up and you're saying, okay, where am I? And what is important to me right now? And I know that's so much easier said than done. And I think one, one important thing, like when it is hard, when you're just like, yeah, I hear you saying this, like Amy and Elizabeth, but like, you're not in my shoes. Think about maybe like why you feel like so bad about not running um are there some like maybe beliefs behind that fear that you could be working on because if your value in yourself is only coming from your ability to run then that maybe begs a bigger question of like what else is going to fulfill you right now and what are those fears that you have associated with not running a lot of times we rely on motivation instead of developing the kind of intrinsic habit mm -hmm. of the thing. You know, are you motivated to brush your teeth every day? I don't, probably not. I mean, you do hopefully, yeah. but it's not something that you're like actively motivated to do. Like, mm -hmm. oh my God, cannot wait to brush my teeth today. It's gonna be the best part of my day. Um, I don't, very few people approach their runs like that. Like, mm -hmm. oh my God, cannot, I mean, if you do, that's awesome. But sometimes you just kind of have to put your shoes on and go for a run, whether or not you are super psyched to do it or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that comes back to having that bigger goal. Like, what is it that's driving you to get out there? And if you don't have something that is keeping your head in it when you don't feel excited about it, like for me, I know if I don't go on that run, then I'm probably not going to be trained for my next state. If I don't do that, 
then my bigger goal breaks down. So for me, it's not a question of whether to go or not. It's more so I need to go because if I want to do this, then I need to get out the door or I need to find an alternative. Like even when it's icy and snowy out there, okay, what gyms are available to me? Like when I'm traveling, what gyms are around? Um, Like trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to adjust to make this happen? And I think this next question that we're going to discuss it's one of those things where, Amy, you've been running for years. I've been running for years. It might be easy for seasoned, quote unquote, seasoned runners for us to think, well, yeah, I just make running a part of my life and just it is what it is. And I run on the treadmill and run outside and I have the gear. But there are so many new runners out there who are maybe going through their very first winter or they're attempting to run through their first winter because they have always taken the winter off before. Mm-hmm. And so this question is, I'm a new consistent runner. Yay, consistency of seven months and have not run through a winter yet. I'm trying to keep up my motivation. An issue I'm facing as I work to motivate myself to run through the cold in the winter is that my muscles are taking a long time to warm up. A day or two, so, and then they are describing um, uh, some overuse injuries. A day or two of rest usually resolves the issue, but then I'm out of my routine and I can't get back into it. So indirectly, is there something I should be doing differently during the winter? And then directly, how do I keep my routine without being married to my routine? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a tough one because those things are all going to have an impact on your motivation, right? Like all of those things. And especially if you're new. So how do you, how do you find that balance? Oh, how do you find the balance? That is tough, especially for a new runner who, and this was me when I first started running, I was afraid if I didn't, if I didn't go for a run that I might never run again. Yeah. Um, It's a real fear. And I think this is something that a lot of runners experience. I was, and sometimes to this day, I'm thinking if I don't run today, will this be the last time I ever run? Like it's this weird, irrational thought, but just because you don't do it today doesn't mean it's the end of everything forever. You know, I've actually had similar thoughts, like where if I'm on vacation and I can't run for a few days, I'm like, wow, when I get back from this vacation, who knows? Like, who knows? But really, that's not, that is not the case. And I, I was thinking about this and I think this stems a lot from our, many people have previous experiences of going through cycles of doing something really seriously for a very short period of time and then quote unquote falling off the wagon. So whether Mm -hmm. that is a very restrictive diet or a very strict, like I'm thinking like 75 hard, whole 30 or some sort of thing where it required rigorous adherence and in an unsustainable way. Mm -hmm. So then when the person like obviously couldn't sustain this thing, they never did it again. And I think the fear translates into running. If I cannot, if I miss one day, is this the end of everything? Is this just a collapsing house of cards? Totally. That, and I think it comes down to like finding something, like you said, that's realistic for you uh, and evaluating whether it is regularly, because also the winter changes what's realistic for you. Let's be honest. If it's colder out, it might not be realistic for you to get out the door. Or if you're busy during the winter, it might not be as realistic for you to get out the door and adjusting those expectations to meet what's actually happening in that moment is so important to finding something that will sustain you through the winter to get you to keep going without you giving up. So we'll talk about warming up for winter weather in a minute, but One of the things that I really love when we talk about training schedules is they should be written in pencil, not pen, Mm -hmm. because life happens. And if you, especially for a new runner, you know, you're probably not running six or seven days a week, I would hope, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're committing to consistent workouts, which is what, or consistent running, which is great, but you're probably not, you're, the periodization of your training is probably not so intense that you are incapable of specifically moving certain things around. I would say, give yourself some grace, you know, have your schedule. If it doesn't happen, don't sweat it. If you can do it the next day, great. If not, just skip to the next run when it comes up on your calendar. You know, something is better than nothing. Instead of beating yourself up about it, just like move on and just get the next one done. Yeah, this is one reason where sometimes I like weekly goals instead of daily because weekly goals 
are much easier to modify and move things around. And if, you know, your mile doesn't happen on this day, maybe you could do it the next day um, or like break your mileage up a little bit differently. But I feel like when people have a very strict, like I'm going to run five miles this day, eight miles this day, two miles this day, it gets a little bit jumbled. And that's, I also like to do ranges instead of specific goals because it does give you, if you're feeling a little bit less motivated or less capable of getting something done, a little bit of a window to like, for where, what's actually realistic for you on that day. I have a lot of runners, my, my, um, coaching athletes who are in their post fall race kind of base building off season, you know, Mm -hmm. they're taking time off. We're running less. It's a lot less intense. Um, a lot of them, I have them running by time. I don't need them to run seven miles. I just need them run for an hour, mm-hmm. maybe up to an hour, 45 minutes. Great. Totally. You know, life, life happens. If any time of your training is going to be more flexible, this off season post race period is the time to be flexible about it. This is the time to treat it a little bit like play, like play around with some different aspects of your running, like play around with strength training, play around with all these different things that you can do inside or anywhere or anytime um to like see you know how it impacts you you'll learn a lot about yourself as a runner if you do that the second part of this question was about warming up for cold temperatures and yeah you it's gonna take a little bit more to warm up your body before heading out into a nasty weather run whether it's just cold or if it's cold and windy or cold and wet and probably cold and dark because that's, that's the season of life we're in right now. So yes, uh, a a pre-run dynamic warmup should always be a part of your daily run. You are going to have a much better time performance wise when it comes to injury prevention and just general overall mobility. If you do a pre-run dynamic warmup, usually five minutes long, but in the winter, maybe it's something more like five to 10 because you want your muscles to be primed. You want the heart pumping. You want to be literally warmed up before Mm -hmm. you start running because, and I talked about this on my cold weather running episode a few weeks ago, um, running in the cold really below, I think it's below 50 or 40 degrees Fahrenheit does actually impact how your muscles function. Mm -hmm. And even the colder it gets, the more they get impacted in terms of how they move, how energy is consumed and um, how your elasticity of your muscles works. Like there is stuff that happens in the cold. So if you're having trouble, you know, with your warm up in cold weather runs, just warm up for longer and see how it goes. Yeah, totally. And that can help also with just like your general motivation to get out the door, because if you are hot and warm and uncomfortable from your warm up inside, it might feel a little bit nice to step outside. Um, I feel that way all the time. We're all warm up inside, like not in my t-shirt, but in my hoodie and like all my gear to the point where I'm a little bit uncomfortable so that I can motivate myself to get out the door a little bit easier. Yeah. I mean, because quite honestly, there's nothing quite as demotivating as thinking about how yeah. cold you're going to be on that first mile. <laughs> you open the door and it's like, boom, like right yeah. in your face. So warming up will help. It'll help that. Um, And then obviously I think something else we have to talk about is the, the dark running in the dark. Mm -hmm. Oh man. I don't know about you. I, I have the luxury at this point in my life where I no longer have to run in the dark unless I choose to, but I know that many, many people do not have that luxury. And so either they're running in the dark in the morning, they're running in the dark at night, or they're running on the treadmill. Those tend to be the three main options. So running in the dark um, requires special gear. You need to be lit up like a Christmas tree if you're going to be running outside in the dark. You need to see where you're going and you need to be as visible as possible to people who might see you as well. Totally. And just running in the dark is tough. It is, it is a hard thing to do mentally. I, I also don't run, I don't run in the dark often anymore. Um, I'm like more of like a mid-morning like runner, but I remember before teaching, having to get to the gym every single morning at 5 a.m., right when it opened, uh, every day for years um, to to try to stay on track during the winter. But it is not easy. It's not easy to get up that early, and it's also not easy to just get out the door when it's so dark out. Yeah. 
it's tough and it can be disorienting to run in the dark where you're you know the landmarks to how we usually judge the passage of our bodies through space you don't get that in the dark like you kind of feel like you're running in a tunnel for some people it can be dangerous to run in the dark where they live like from a physical safety standpoint so that's you know being able to run in a place where you are physically safe notwithstanding slipping on ice or you know getting hit by a car um and i think it's okay to acknowledge that look this sucks like you're it, we're not really? trying to sugarcoat it like no. it is hard to do. You're not supposed to be jazzed about this. It is okay to acknowledge that this is a hardship and this is an extra layer of challenge that you are facing during this time. And this is where I feel like you really need to start tuning into some like other things that like get you excited to run. So like for me, when I used to run in the morning, like super early in the morning and it was dark and it sucked. Um, I would always think about like every time I woke up, I would think about my shower after my run because in that moment, like I'm always proud and it's warm and I'm happy and I'm like go about to get ready for work, but I'm proud of myself that I got it done. So I like would think about that feeling because that feeling is what I wanted to have later in the day after I was done with this really crappy part of my like day. And also remember like, yeah, the first mile sucks, but once you're or the first even tenth of a mile sucks but once you're going it's easier like it really is just that starting point that is really unfortunate and kind of crappy <laughs> and this might be advice where you're like is this seriously the advice that she's giving you have to identify the thing that makes you most likely to stay in bed and <laughs> like work around that yeah so for me that's coffee um so getting up in the morning like if i have coffee Next to my bed, when I wake up in the morning, if I just like grab it and start drinking it, boom, I have caffeine in my system. I can't go back yeah. to sleep. So this might sound absolutely disgusting, but I will, I, when I had to get up in the morning and go run, you know, five, six 30 in the morning, um, I put a cup of coffee by my bed the night before that and I would drink, awesome. I would wake up, my alarm would go off and I would just like reach over and drink and like chug a cold cup of coffee. And it worked That's because you're not going back to sleep after you drink a whole cup of coffee, especially because it's cold. <laughs> yeah, I love that you brought that up too, because the idea of thinking about what it is that like you don't like, what is it that really sucks about getting up? Mine is always being cold. I hate being cold. I don't like it at all. So I will literally put sweatpants, a sweatshirt and a hat, like a knit hat next to my bed. And every morning when I get up, I immediately put all those things on Oh, and fuzzy socks because I live in fuzzy socks, but I'll put all of them on because I know I'll be comfortable at least then when I get up and get out of bed and I won't be so freezing and upset walking around. See, it's the little things, you know, cause you, you know, as much as runners, we do thrive in discomfort on occasion. You don't want to be uncomfortable all the yeah. time, right? We want to be comfortable saying goodbye to a warm bed sucks. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. so it's, it's just a little thing. What actually is going to get you out of bed mm -hmm. or, or staying out of bed long enough so you actually get dressed and head out the door yeah it's like a combination of like the goals and the practical things like practically set out your clothes like get your running clothes set them out like do those little things yeah find out the weather the night before like if you wake up and it's snowing you probably should have realized that the night before you totally. should have put your spikes out and put your hat out and all the things that you need you know if you give your brain an excuse to say no it probably will say no yeah that's a great point like you need to have it planned out to a t <laughs> so this is a brief moment in time but we do have the holidays upon us and that could be a huge disruptor for runners, even if they're not going anywhere, the holidays are disruptive because of time off and kids and all the things. So um, this question I feel is like emblematic of what so many people are experiencing right now. Absolutely. So they say it's so hard to find time to run around the holidays or something minor is like being cooped up inside and having the kids home for various holiday breaks mean the house is messy all the time and I have to choose between cleaning or running, which is a hard choice. I don't have access to a gym. Cross training is tricky too. The holiday snacks and trying to eat more nutritious food makes it hard to stay motivated. Plus running can be too icy or snowy to do safely. Basically it's everything all in one. <laughs> everything. 
everything, everything. And you're not alone. I know that this person is describing something. I mean, there are so many people who are like, oh my God, did I ask this question? (laughs) (laughs) This is every question in one. And it's, it's not wrong. It's, it's, it's right. Yeah. All those things are so true. (laughs) So there's a lot kind of individually things to unpack here. So when we have, we have schedule disruptions, right? So we have, kids out of school, or if you don't have kids, you will probably have your schedule disrupted in some way, which can itself, even if you technically have more time to run, the disruption itself can throw you off your game. So that's Changes, something yeah. to acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, two, the holidays tend to be, if your kids are home, you, you know, do I clean or do I go for a run? Like, I get that. Like, I don't like a messy house, right? Do you clean or do you go for a run? Do you have to go for a full length run? Can you split the difference? Mm-hmm. You know, this is about finding compromise. No training cycle is going to be perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect execution. It's about, you know, if you had scheduled an hour for your run, maybe go for a half hour run instead. And then you can get a little bit of cleaning in so you don't feel totally guilty later on. And that might sound hard in the moment, but I promise you after you try that and practice that a few times, it will get more comfortable. I know at first it seems like an all or nothing choice. I've been there. I've, you know, chosen the run before and I've also chosen the cleaning before and you don't feel satisfied if you do that either way. Um, But really, truly, if you try that balance a few times, it will get easier and your mindset will change around finding that balance and actually appreciating that balance and recognizing that it feels better for you. The other thing I'd say, I know a lot of moms that I work with, their kids are home, you know, whatever the normal childcare arrangement is, if they have very young kids, kids who really can't play on their own, it's really hard to get a run in, especially if you don't have a treadmill at home. Like they either have to have their partners watch the kids or maybe the parents come over or they can't get out the door for a run. And for them, I say, just work out at home. Do some cross training, do like throw on a YouTube fitness class or do some strength training or do some other type of movement, get your sweat on in a different way, even if you couldn't run that day. Totally. And think about it in terms of realistically, what can you control about that situation? What can you not? There are things in that situation that you simply cannot control no matter how much you want to. And you have to accept that before you can actually accept a new plan. Like you're not going to, you're not going to be excited maybe about staying in and doing a a strength workout. But if you think about it in terms of, I genuinely cannot control this situation. And so this is my choice and make the most of that choice. Um, I think it comes down to, to really doing that. It's also important to remember, although the holiday season can feel like it lasts forever, it's only a, a couple weeks, mm-hmm. you know, going out of your normal routine is disruptive, but realistically speaking, even if you took two weeks off, totally did absolutely nothing during the two weeks where the holidays are the most intense, that's still okay. That's mm-hmm. completely okay. Um, from a fitness standpoint, it's, I mean, we're talking about n- negligible loss of fitness, talking about single digit percentage points in terms of any actual fitness you might lose during this time. But from a mental standpoint too, like Amy just said, like you have to find balance and maybe that balance is not running during this time. Yeah. Yeah. And thinking about, yeah, that whole balance of your life and during the holidays, should running be the most important thing to you? Like if it is, I, I mean, I think, Maybe find some other things to fill that tank outside of running because the holidays is a short time and it's important to take advantage of the time that you have during those holidays and apply it to the things that matter. I know for me, my my training takes a hit every holiday season and I try not to see it as a hit because it's a choice. Like I make a choice intentionally to choose to lessen my training during the week that I'm with my family and traveling and doing all these things. I can't run when I'm in a nine hour car ride to my family. And if I do, it's very early in the morning. And you have to really think about like, what is realistic for me right now that will also help me maintain a balance with the other things that I'm doing. I know with Christmas being on a Saturday, there are a lot of runners out there who like to do their long runs on Saturdays. And like I'd say the majority of my coaching athletes are Saturday long runners. And 
Several of them have kept their long run on Saturdays because, you know, it's not that long for considering the time investment and what they're doing in their training. And I've had others who say, look, I just don't want to have to worry about running on that day. I want to spend time with my family. Can we move it? Yeah, of course. Of course you can. You should not sacrifice time with your family on the morning of Christmas or another holiday because you need to go for a long run. If you want to, that's completely different. You shouldn't need to. No, it should never be because it's on a plan that you complete it. It should be because that is what is going to make you your best self and you feel your best self on that day. And like, I know for me, if I wake up and I go for like a few miles, like by myself, that helps me get a mental like clarity that I wouldn't have if I didn't go. So I might choose to go do a few miles, but it's not because it's on my plan. It's because that's what's going to help me feel my best for my day. Realistically, though, I mean, I'm even thinking for me, look, if I had a 20 mile long run on Christmas Day, absolutely I'd, probably, I'd probably move that. Yeah. <laughs> no, Christmas is my birthday as well. So there's no way it's happening. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Christmas, baby. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. <laughs> no. The other part of this question was about holiday food. I love this. I love that. I love that she included that in this because I feel like that is that's so that's such a good point and not just for the food but because how it makes you feel um and like the mental part around that food that you're eating a lot of treats and like maybe you're not feeling your best and maybe you're feeling like your nutrition is like falling off the wagon um so I feel like that contributes to an overall sense of lack of motivation as well yeah think about it you're running less you feel like you're eating more or eating differently than you normally do And those two things individually can cause a lot of emotions to rise to the surface and combine them. It can be really uncomfortable for a lot of people to be in that space. And it happens every year, right? New Year's Day, everybody goes on some sort of crazy diet Mm -hmm. because of how of the emotions that they felt throughout the holiday season and how they reacted to the choices that they made. Um, It's just food. Yeah, honestly. Yep. And I would say like, definitely start exploring those emotions that you are having and why you're having them and the thoughts that are contributing to those emotions and making you feel that way because food shouldn't have that kind of control over you and how you feel about you. Nothing should, quite honestly. Absolutely not. Um, And yeah, combining those two things, it can make a perfect storm. It can make a perfect storm of not feeling good about yourself. So really remember in those moments, what is going to make me feel good about myself? Like, what can you do that makes you feel good? It Whether it's drinking some water, whether it's getting some extra sleep, like what is going to make you feel in control of yourself and your choices and how you feel and do that. And we're not saying it doesn't matter what you eat because obviously nobody's going to feel at their best if all they're doing is eating candy canes 24 seven throughout the holiday season, right? Like it's just, you you need to eat on some level, remember to eat a balanced nutritious diet because it's important for your well being as an athlete and as a person. But at the same time, you know, if you're having a panic attack over the office cookies or the pie that your grandmother baked or whatever the thing is, again, like Amy said, notice the emotion. Where's that coming from? And I mean, this, this is all fear-based and I, you know, I have my own history with disordered eating. It's fear. Where's yeah. the fear coming from? What are you afraid of? What realistically might this food do for you? Um, notice that your, your patterns of your behavior, if you say you're going to have one, do you have one? Do you have two? Do you have 10? You know, these are all things to just in a notice. hopefully a non-judgmental way, notice about yourself Absolutely. and you, things you can use to explore yourself more fully going forward. Absolutely. And I think, I think, I think it can be fairly said that a lot of runners struggle with these thoughts. I've been in these shoes of having to explore those same emotions around food. I've been in the shoes of feeling like I had to run to run off something. I've been in the, like, a lot of us that you don't know have been there have been there. And I can say for certain that exploring those questions without judgment makes a huge difference. And recognizing food is genuinely just food. It And think about it in all honesty, like what is the impact of that food going to have on you? Like, does that food make you feel like bloated and sick? And not in like a fat way, but in like an actual, I'm uncomfortable when I eat that food. Like when I eat that, I start to feel not so great about myself. 
And if you can think about those things as you're doing it and just choose what's going to make you feel your best, I think it can be easier to make those choices. The other thing I would say with the holidays, there tends to be a lot more alcohol drinking, Mm -hmm. which is something that you have to remember the impact that has on your body. It is dehydrating. It can disrupt your sleep. Um, and it can cause in some people some, you know, rebound emotional effects. I'm not saying don't drink, like have a great time this holiday season, but don't be surprised if you, the more you drink, the worse you feel. Uh, and if you are going to be training throughout the holidays, staying hydrated, important every day, super important on days that you drink and days after. Yeah. I love how you said, don't be surprised. Cause I feel like that's a, that's a great, that's a great like way to put it is don't be surprised. Like if you're going to do those things, do them, but genuinely don't be surprised by them. It is going to impact you. It's going to impact how you feel. It's going to impact your hydration. Like you said, your training, like if you drink a bunch and then you expect to do your long run tomorrow, but you were with your family drinking, your long run might not happen. Like it don't, it's not going to don't let it be a surprise if that happens. Like, I would say your long run probably shouldn't happen. Like if yeah, you're no. if you're in that if you're that hungover, like maybe save that one for yeah, the yeah. next day. <laughs> but don't be surprised that you have to. <laughs> and then the last part of this, of course, was the safety of running outside, snowy and icy routes. And that's just that just comes with living where we do, you know? Mm-hmm. Snow happens. Yeah, ice that happens. Comes from the control. It like what can you control? What can you not control? Um you, might, you cannot control the weather, that is for sure. <laughs> can't control the conditions out there. Um, what you can control is whether you look into options uh, and whether you know it is worth it or not to look into those options. And I would encourage anybody who you know has the desire and of course the financial ability to get winter running gear to do it and to try to run as much as you can throughout the winter. And maybe it's not outside, maybe you're on a treadmill, but you go to a gym, maybe you have a treadmill, Because when we talk about long-term development, you are going to be strongest at your most consistent. So if you're only running when it's nice out, you are leaving so much on the table when it comes to your performance. And maybe you don't care. If you're listening to this episode, that probably isn't you, but maybe you're listening to this episode and you're thinking, I only like to run when it's 65 degrees and sunny. And I'm thinking, that's great. Go ahead and do that. Mm -hmm. But we talk about Becoming your best running self is a process that takes years and it takes being consistent throughout each year. Taking time off is totally fine, but taking half the year off is not going to get you to where you want to go. No. Yeah. And honestly, just not being surprised by that. Yeah. Again, like you, you can't take half the year off and expect that you're still going to be in the same physical shape and the same attitude towards running as you were six months ago. It's just not realistic. I took six months off. Um, I totally, I burned out and then I broke my foot. Um, I broke my toe. I, I dropped a ladder on it, hanging Christmas decorations, but it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Like I needed to break my toe so that I, I could take time off because I was in a, a bad burned out place. And I think I ran I went from running, like I trained for a, a marathon and I was running a lot. And then I went and ran like 20 or 30 miles a month for like six months. There were months where I didn't run. Taking six months off is significant. That's when, a long time. That's a long time to take off. You know, we talk about taking a couple of weeks off here and there, going through periods of reduced activity. Um, taking six months off is going to severely impact your fitness. And if that's something that you're doing regularly, you're not going to get close to where you want to be. You have to basically start over every single time yeah. that you start running again. And you don't want to be in that place. As Des Linden said, getting into shape sucks. <laughs> don't yeah. do it every year. You stay yeah. in shape as, yeah. as much as you can. Totally. And I feel like, yeah, it, if your goal is just to run that, run that one race a year or something, and you're going so hard for that fall race, and then you like don't take that time to rest and then you take a bunch of time to recover from an injury. Like you're going to need to kind of get back into the groove, but you're going to have to get back into the groove with something that's more sustainable for you. Um, if you have long-term running goals and if you don't, if you just want to train for one race a year, that's totally fine too. But also you can't expect that progress to carry over. Yeah. Don't be surprised. All Again, of this. Yeah. Don't be surprised. So this last 
topic we're going to talk about is a good one. And this is kind of combines as we were talking about before the episode started, like the importance of building a running community, but you have to also build your own internal support. This question is, or says, if I didn't run with a friend, I wouldn't be able to get myself to stay motivated during the winter. She keeps me accountable. Yeah, I think it comes down to finding that balance between accountability, also motivation, like external motivation, intrinsic motivation. Um, what is a resource versus like, what is your personal goal here? And like, is it strong enough to sustain you if you didn't have somebody to push you? Realistically, your friend probably won't be able to run with you forever. And uh, what if she moves? What if she, you know, what if she drops a ladder on her toe and breaks it and can't run anymore? Like, are you just going to stop running? What's the, what's the end game here? Totally. Totally. I feel like you have to have both, um, both senses of like, of motivation. You have to have it from others. Some people thrive on that external accountability. Some people that is, that's why we have training plans. That's why we have running coaches. They thrive on that that plan or that person or somebody helping them um but you also have to know internally why you're doing it in order to keep doing it um there has to be a bigger picture in your mind of where you're going if you want yourself to sustain that that progress this doesn't necessarily sound like motivation to me this sounds like fear of failure the person and I also hear this when it comes to running without music. People are so afraid to run without music or like when their headphones die, they stop their run. This is a person who sounds like they're afraid to run by themselves because they don't think they can do it. And they don't trust themselves. Yeah. Who don't trust their ability. And clearly like if you can run with your friend, you can run by yourself. Part of running as a sport, the journey that we go on, is learning about yourself, learning how to trust yourself, learning how to push yourself, learning what your weak spots are, learning what your strengths are, and challenging yourself to do things you never thought you could do before. Yeah, that was me. Um, several. I mean, there have been several times in my running journey where I have had to do something that that like I have never done before. Um, running without music was one of them. I. I forgot my headphones for a half marathon and then I was going to run with my phone out loud, but then my phone died before the race because I am terrible about plugging my phone in and I had to run without music. And I I remember thinking like, I'm never going to finish this race. Like how absurd is that? Like I did the whole training, (laughs) but because I didn't have my music, I completely thought I was going to fail. And this is a very similar situation. I feel like where it's, you might feel like you couldn't do it without her but you can, like you could. Um, and so should she, like everybody can do these things. Um, but you might not believe that you can yet. As we talk about the concept of motivation and you know, what drives us forward, it's okay to have a balance of intrinsic and extrinsic motivational factors. Like it's okay to have a bunch of things. You should have things that drive you internally forward towards your goals. And you could also have things where you say like, well, I just really, I have this external motivation of beating that person specifically, or I really want that race medal or I, whatever the thing is, uh, you know, I promised myself a new something, something, if I, you know, hit X miles this month. Um, it's okay to have both. Like, I think you need both. You need kind of a variety of things because what motivates you to get out the door on one day might not be the thing that motivates you to get out the door the next day. Yeah. In those extrinsic motivations, it's important to remember that the purpose of those is to help you build habit. It's not to get that thing. That's not actually what you're wanting. What you are wanting is actually to build the habit without that thing. Um, So yeah, use those things, but remember that literally the purpose of those things is to build the intrinsic motivation that you are trying to build. Um, So use those things as needed, but don't make that the end all be all. That is not what you're after. What you're after is the habit itself that will keep you going even on those days that you don't want to. And I'll also say when it comes to achieving goals, which is a totally separate conversation, a lot of people, when they set goals, 
think, well, when I achieve my goal, I'll be good. I'll be happy. And so many people find, especially when it comes to running goals, they achieve the goal and they're excited. They're like, yeah, I achieved my goal, but I don't feel any different. And I kind of want more. That's part of it. That should be how it goes. Your goals are not end stations. Your goals Mm -hmm. are waypoints. Your goals should always be a goal on the way to the next goal on the way to the next goal. So if if you have a goal that's not motivating you, pick a different goal and know that once you achieve your goal, pick another goal. It never ends. Yeah. I have a tattoo that says the journey is the reward. And I feel like that fits perfectly here where like, the journey itself should be is going to be what you look back upon. It's not going to be one specific accomplishment. It's not going to be one specific race. It's going to be the entirety of your running career or the entirety of your journey. So don't let it be defined by just one thing. Um, some of your runners brought some great tips to the table about kind of lumped under the category of what I call novelty, like make it new and exciting. Um, So of of all the things we've also discussed in this conversation about finding different goals or non-running goals or, you know, getting a new race on the calendar or warming up before you run and giving yourself some grace during the holiday season and understanding that, yeah, running in the dark and the cold sucks. We get it. We've all been there. It's okay. You are not alone. It's also okay to make something new so it's exciting for you. So maybe that is getting excited about the new winter gear. Maybe it's new routes to run. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's, well, this person says try trail running. And I'd say, be very careful trying trail running in the winter for the very first time, but it is definitely novel and it's definitely Mm -hmm. new. (laughs) Yeah. Or like signing up for a challenge, sign up for a winter challenge, sign up for like a game of some sort or like a a race of some sort, a holiday race, um, like do a run in some holiday gear, see if you can find a scavenger hunt of some sort to do. Like all of these things, there is so much on the internet that you can find that is like around this and like could get you excited and could be a little challenge. And these little mini challenges can be so helpful during this time of the year because it's something small and manageable that might not be your full load, but it's still fun and it's exciting. The other thing is that if you try something and it doesn't work for you when it comes to getting out the door, maybe you're thinking, okay, but I bought the gear and I did that weird coffee trick and I put on my fuzzy socks (laughs) and I still didn't get out the door for my morning run or whatever the thing is, that's also okay. Totally. You are a human being. You are not perfect. Nobody is perfect. Even pro runners don't get out the door some days. There is nothing wrong with you. You are no less of a runner just because you don't feel like going for a run right now. Totally. A hundred percent. I feel like remembering that it's okay not to run is like the most important thing that you could do because you don't want to be held captive by your running. Like that should never be a thing. Um, And if it is, maybe you need to think about that a lot because it shouldn't be that you feel a certain way if you run and you don't, if you don't run, um, you got to find other parts of you to keep you going. And so I recently ended a run streak after my fall marathon. And it's something that I hadn't really talked about for a while because I basically identified that this was not serving me anymore, but I was so like, I ran for 865 days in a row at least a mile a day. And if you see anybody doing a run streak, my money is on the fact that it is not serving them as well as they think that it is. And I know for me, it started as a way to hold myself accountable. So if you are thinking to yourself, well, I'll just start a run streak during this time, getting out the door every day for just a mile at any pace, that will be what helps keep the habit, keeps me motivated, that will be very helpful for me. And sure, okay, you know, I know it's very popular. The Runner's World magazine offers, you know, biannual run streaks for exactly that reason. But I would urge you to consider alternatives to building that habit because the run streak can be something that you think you might have control over and it can turn into something that has control over you. I was thinking that same thing. Yeah, I could definitely see how that could become something that really 
makes you feel like you have to, not that you want to do it. Exactly. There are days where we have to get out the door because that's what our training calls for because we have the goal. That is very, very different from feeling like you have no alternative when you know you shouldn't run, but you do it anyways, because why? Why? Nobody's getting paid to go on a run streak. Um, So that is my two cents on run streaks. I know people have asked me about this before. So if you were thinking about going on a run streak as a way to keep yourself motivated, I would urge caution. I think that there are much healthier and more balanced ways to find what you're looking for. Totally. Totally. Have you ever been tempted to go on a run streak? I have not actually. I don't know why. I mean, I honestly didn't even know that like before, like I think last year I had never tracked my monthly mileage at all. And then Somebody said like, oh, what's your yearly mileage? Whenever I started this new Instagram account, which was about a year and a half ago, somebody asked me my yearly mileage and I was like, where would I find that? And they were like, what? (laughs) I had never looked at it, had never really thought about it, but I could definitely see just the same as the run streak. The monthly and yearly mileage can do the same thing to you because I, when I started looking at it, once somebody alerted me that that was an option, um, I started really looking at it and then I wanted to beat it every month. And then I found very quickly. Yeah, no, like at some point this is going to be not realistic for me. And then what happens then, then who am I after I can't, after I can't keep going, like who, like what will people think of me if I can't do that? So I had to very quickly reassess whether monthly mileage goals or yearly mileage goals really served me because I have found they don't, um, that they were pretty unhealthy for me, actually. The numbers can be very seductive and you Mm -hmm. have to remember, not you, obviously, you know this, but runners in general, we have to remember that the numbers don't actually mean anything. We always should do what best serves us in the, in our goals and in the larger scheme of our health and wellness. Yeah. So it's not about hitting the mileage target. It's not even about running a certain pace. You might have a pace goal, but none of that really matters if you're not happy and healthy and enjoying what you're doing. Totally. And everybody gets to goals in different ways. So if you see somebody else posting something and then posting a result, that story of what they did might look very different from what would get you there. So don't look at somebody else's goals and say, oh my gosh, they did that last winter or they did that. And now I'm going to do that because I want to reach that same goal. Like it, it doesn't work that way with running. Especially for big goals. Um, most people chase the big goals that they have for years. You might mm-hmm. only see the achievement. You don't see the fact that they've been working toward this for five, seven, ten 10 years, you know, totally all the time that they put in, you know, that is, that is the dedication that, that is consistency and motivation. Were they excited to go on every single run, every single time it's on their schedule? No, they probably went through periods of detraining and they went through periods of not quite achieving their goal and going through a a period of low motivation. Maybe they took some time off, but all you see is the end result. You cannot judge them on the end result and think, well, I saw them do that one workout uh, three weeks for their taper, that must be the workout I have to do. Like, no, yeah. you are not them. Just back off. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And there's a lot of years that go into training and like accomplishing something like that, like you mentioned. And it's so important to remember that there's all that time. And if you take one week to do something else, that is not a big deal. Think about it in terms of years, because I've been training for these half marathons for about 10 years now. And I have had like holiday seasons where I have taken a week off. I have had vacations where I've taken a week off, like unexpectedly, or have just skipped a run or have just chosen not to go on a certain day. But the bigger picture goals and the bigger journey doesn't, it doesn't take into account those really small days and weeks. Like the, the more realistic you can get with yourself and consistent you can get, the better. And what's going to help you do that is giving yourself some grace and some flexibility. Yep. 
And if you're struggling with flexibility, if you're struggling with giving yourself some grace, working with a coach might be a really good option. They can help you with the flexibility. They can tell you, hey, it's okay you didn't run today. I mean, half of what I do with my athletes right now is be like, no, no, no. It's okay that you didn't run today. You are in a period of time where that is completely normal. I am not upset. You should not be upset either. We can explore any deeper meaning of this later on, but coaches are there to put some objectivity in what's actually going on in your life. Because even if you know everything there is to know about the sport, you are in the heart of hearts, you are incapable of being objective with yourself. That's just not how humans are built. So if you are really struggling, working with a coach might be a good option. Totally. Cool. Ah, oh, this is so great. Amy, thank you for coming on for this yeah. final episode of 2021, wrapping up the year. I can't believe it's already gone. <laughs> I cannot either. I feel like this season went so fast. Yeah. Like it was it was the beginning of the year and all of a sudden it's December. And uh really? my gosh, where'd the time go? (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you for coming on. And I hear that there are exciting things afoot with Run With Aim. Do you want to tell us anything about that? Sure. Yeah. We are, we are growing every season, which feels crazy, but also exciting. Um, And actually some of our coaches now, some of our group coaches are going to be getting running certified, coach certified. So we're going to have four running coaches in the group and hopefully that opens the door to lots of different possibilities so not really sure where it'll take us yet but I feel like that is the story of run with him in general so um, so yeah exciting but not really sure all the options quite yet that's awesome well as always I'm going to link to your Instagram and your yeah. website below in the show notes so people can find and follow you if they're interested in learning about your awesome story race across the straits and also want to if they want to sign up for the waitlist for run with aim i know you have a full house over there you do awesome (laughs) well amy happy holidays happy early birthday i hope you have an awesome rest of your year awesome thank you so much for having me I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find and follow me on Instagram at Running Explained. And if you're looking for a coach or a training plan, check me out. Visit my website, runningexplained.co. That's runningexplained.co. See you next time. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.